Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I'll interview an author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. My name is Adam Sokol, and I'm your host. And as I've been saying at the beginning of every episode, if this is your first time visiting in, thanks for joining me. If you've been here for the first several weeks of the show, I'm glad to have you back. Today's episode is an interview I did with Geely Siegel, which is kind of like a part two to last week's episode with Kimberly Jones. Kim and Geely are co-writers of the fantastic best-selling I'm Not Dying With You Tonight. And I just, I've known both of them for a while now, and they feel like family in the truest and most genuine sense. I adore talking to each of them, uh, both together and separately. I even joke in this conversation with Geely that it's next to impossible to wrangle either of them in and basically impossible to wrangle them in collectively. Uh, They're just such fun spirits. And I always have a smile on my face when I'm talking to either Kim or Geely. Geely and I today talk about something she is deeply passionate about, which is hockey. And the conversation starts with the fact that she grew up with a father who had an interest in hockey. So she took a love to it and then extends to her own kids who are now playing hockey at a very high level and how she's become a very cool hip hockey mom. At its core, this conversation really is how talking about how children and parents tend to bond over things that we learn about as kids. For me and my dad, it was baseball so much in the same. And we we have a lot of discussion about how Uh, My relationship with baseball and my dad really mirrors Geely's relationship with hockey and her son as well as her dad. And we just, uh, it's a sprawling conversation like many of these were, but it's a lot of fun. And then we get into, of course, how hockey has inspired her work and she's working on a extremely cool new project, which I'm not going to spoil. You're going to have to listen to the second half of the conversation to hear her talk about it. But I will just say, if you are a fan of Marvel Comics, you're definitely going to want to listen in. Really, really loved every second of this. This might be the longest recording session that I had. She and I were talking late at night. And uh, while the the episode itself is a normal length recording session, I think I end up removing like 45 minutes of it because it was just us chatting about life where I had forgotten to hit stop recording. So you will never hear any of those things, but it is very fun. And uh, 
I'm just very grateful to have someone like Gilly in my life. As I have been telling you all from episode one, if you would like some book recommendations from me, you can email me at passionsandprologues at gmail.com. All I'm asking that you do is leave a quick five-star rating or review an Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast. I know it's a thing that you hear podcasters say all the time, but it really does help people find us a little bit more easily. So if you wouldn't mind taking you know 10 seconds to scroll down on whatever app you're listening to right now and tap five stars and maybe leave a a sentence or two about why you like the show. I would really appreciate it. And again, just shoot me an email if you have any questions or anything you would like to uh, get some more feedback from. Okay, not going to take up any more of your time. Oh, oh, hang on. I almost forgot to give you a recommendation of a thing that I'm reading right now. Wow, bad podcasting, Adam. I'm just going to briefly tell you that Ryan LaSala, past guest, if you are not reading The Honeys, his new best-selling novel. You absolutely have to, but I'll go beyond that and say, listen to the audiobook. Uh, the audiobook of The Honeys is creepy and spooky and delightful, but it's one of those audiobooks where they really took a lot of time with the production of it, and there's background noise, and there's different voices, and there's all sorts of stuff. So if you're not listening to The Honeys, even if you've read it, I highly recommend the audiobook of The Honeys by Ryan LaSala. Okay, there we go. Got a recommendation in. Whew, almost missed that. I am delighted to say that I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Geely Siegel on Passions and Prologues. Another fun thing about having my own podcast, I'm fine making a fool of myself, so we can do that. Uh, I was surprised you went with hockey over the Eurovision Song Contest, though. I just, so... I know that you're a hockey human because I've, I've seen your hockey mom Instagram stories and stuff. And so I know that you're very passionate about that. And also I want to like, I do kind of want to paint myself in those uncomfortable corners with this. I guess could be like, I know a little bit about hockey. I know enough. <laughs> All right, well, let's teach you some more. Yeah. Let's teach me some more. All right. Tell you what, I guess I've been hit. I hit record a long time ago. So <laughs> I'll do an intro on all those fun things that I have to do prior to this. So let's just get into it. Gilly, why, like, what are you, why are you so passionate about hockey? Let's go back to the beginning. So I got into hockey through my dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am a child of the late, late seventies and I grew up in the eighties. And I remember that like the media messaging and the social messaging at that time was overwhelmingly that dads want sons to do sports stuff with. And my dad does not have any sons. I have once one sister and me. And I remember feeling terrible that my dad did not have a son to do stuff with. Uh So now, mind you, this did not come from my father at all. My father has never cared. It's like it, gender and gender identity have never been a relevant thing to him. It did not come from my father at all. It strictly came from this sort of external social tidal wave of like all the jokes in the 80s about, you know, anyway. So, but I was very conscious of this. And so at the time I grew up in the Tampa area and my dad would go to football games. And so I remember like expressing an interest in football. And at that age, it was like really little kid stuff. Like I learned the name of the famous players and, you know, I had a t-shirt and all that stuff, but I was like, I'm going to be the sports kid for my dad. I'm not athletic at all. 
Like <laughs> I played with Barbie dolls until I was like 12 and I enjoyed it. And I was a reader and I was a book nerd. So like zero athleticism, but I was determined that I was going to watch sports with my dad. And he was originally from Philadelphia. So much more of a hockey fan than a football fan. And so when the lightning came to Tampa in the early nineties, my dad got season tickets and I would go to the games with my dad. Okay. And I really loved it. Like hockey was really fun to watch. It's much more exciting to go to in person. And so I would go to the games with him. I really liked it. And it took off from there. It was like me being sports child for my dad who cared, could not have cared less, by the way. I, so I will say I, we were joking before, like I, I grew up with the EA sports like video games and I, I'm a huge soccer fan now and it's 100% mm-hmm. because of FIFA. Like <laughs> I, and it's like, I, I, I played FIFA in high school and college with my friend and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a massive soccer fan and that's why. And to me, like hockey is almost like super charged soccer in the sense that like it's a team sport. It never stops. It's constant go-go, but it's just, on a much smaller, much faster paced situation. And I, and I will say, so I, I live in Cleveland. So the closest team we have is the Blue Jackets. Okay. And I, when they get into the playoffs, I will, I absolutely, it's like, it's so easy. I feel like hockey playoffs, especially like the atmosphere, it's so easy to, to get into it. It's a good time. Like I always encourage people go to a game and it doesn't have to be an NHL game, by the way. Like if you live close to a city that has a minor league team, AHL or even ECHL, or if you have a juniors team in your area, like go, especially because those tickets are really affordable. And um, it's just a good time. Like it's exciting. It's fast paced. It never stops. It kind of doesn't matter if you understand what's happening because you're just watching guys flying around on sharpened blades, trying to whack a, a rubber puck that's frozen a hundred miles per hour into a goal. It's just fun. Listen, if you honestly, that's such a good way of breaking it. Like if you want to break down sports like that, it's such a hilarious concept to think about. It's very silly. Like grown men do this for a lot of money and women because there are mm-hmm. professional, there's a professional women's league these days to impact. But yeah, they grown people do this for a living and uh, it's a little crazy. But he wanted to know the really funny thing about soccer. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, we do joke that that soccer is like hockey, only people fall down and roll around with their hands covering their faces a lot less. I lived abroad for seven years in a place where there is no hockey, and I got married to a guy who is a former professional soccer, soccer player. <laughs> so, so when I had kids, and they were very small. Like my assumption was, and at that point in time, like, cause my, my ex was really into it. Like he was uh-huh. still really, really into it. So, you know, the, the television was always on soccer. Like hockey was not a thing in my life at that point in time. I kind of strayed from the hockey path. And then I had kids and my assumption was, um, they would play soccer like their dad did. And then after we got divorced, I would say like, after we got divorced and I got control of the clicker back, <laughs> I, started, <laughs> I started to have hockey on in the house a little bit. My kids have this like teeny little street hockey set in the house. Nobody ever picked it up and played with it. I put them in soccer and they hated it. All three of them were yeah. like, this is the devil and we will not do it anymore. And so my middle son, he was, he must've been four years old at the time. We went to one of these local, there's no NHL team in Atlanta where I live, but there is an ECHL team, which is the second tier minor league team. And we went to a game and my four or so year old son could not keep his eyes off the ice. He loved it to pieces. He came home and immediately picked up this street hockey set that no one had ever touched before and was like hockey, hockey, hockey. And so I thought, 
I thought my kids just weren't sporty. I thought they were like, they had sort of more of my temperament was like, sports is not our thing. So I thought I was going to be the cool mom. And I was like, do you want to? play hockey bud and he's like yes meanwhile i have tried to learn to ice skate i tried to learn to ice skate when i was younger and it's really hard (laughs) and i was like this is gonna be really hard and he's gonna quit but i will have been cool mom and let him try it Uh well he took off on those skates like he had been born in them and he has been playing for eight years now that's amazing Yes. So, okay. So be careful being cool mom yeah. or dad or parent, because you might find yourself eight years later flying to Detroit for a tournament at the drop of a hat. I, okay. First of all, this uh, podcast. See, this is, this was me with, this was me with baseball is my, I have memories of my father and I, when I was in high school driving to like Bexley, West Virginia or Knoxville, Tennessee for baseball tournaments. And oh yeah. Everyville. I'm like that Knoxville, Nashville, Everyville that there is. I we yeah. played hockey there. And you're like, I'm like unintentional sports parent. Again, this I did not grow, I grew up watching sports but not playing them. So the sports parent thing is super foreign to me. And I'm like, I say things like hustle now. Sometimes someone will yell hustle at one of my kids' games and I'll be like, Who said that? Oh, it was me. I said hustle. There was a an umpire that was like in the local area that did a lot of the high school games that I had played in. And he would always say, like in between innings, he would always say, hustle in, please, hustle out, please, every single time. And he was like a gentleman about it. There's, there's a whole vocabulary that sports people use, but just normal people don't. Like when in your life do you ever say hustle? You don't, unless you're on a field and there are, you know, there's sports gear and people are running. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm like, I don't say that word. I'm trying to imagine like my tech job my manager being like hey hustle hustle up with that i'd be like you would be like sir yeah what are we doing here that's too much you have gone too far um okay so i want to go back because you're talking about going to hockey games with your dad and to me so i unfortunately am in addition to baseball i'm a gigantic football fan for all of its problematic everything but i mean i it's to me like Sundays in the fall is a nostalgic thing. Like I remember going to church with my mom and our, so my dad is Jewish. My mom is Catholic and we would go with my mom and my grandpa, who was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. We were, we're a big Cleveland Browns family because we live in like just, just outside of Cleveland. My grandpa would come over and like give my dad shit because my grandpa was a Steelers fan. And like, (laughs) but every Sunday after church was football and like cold cut sandwiches and like I so it's like in addition to just it being this ingrained American thing football is is a nostalgia thing for me so for hockey for you like you said it started kind of with going to these games with your dad like how did it kind of continue to be a part of your life beyond that yeah that's a really good question so when I was in high school I wanted to go into sport. I decided I wanted to go into sports management. I really liked hockey. I was a writer even then, but I, I you know, I, I was very like writers can't make a living. And so I was like, I need a, a job and I want to go into sports management. At the time, I thought I wanted to be the first female GM of a hockey team, which I will tell you what is very cool now, although I did not take that track in life, spoiler alert. This year, there are Vancouver named two um, assistant general managers who are women, which I think is really cool. I was like, oh, in my lifetime, it happened. I really love that. That's amazing. But I, I wanted to get more involved with the team. And I, I was like, you know, maybe I could write for them. Maybe I could be an intern. So this was back in the day when there were print newspapers. And one of our local 
there were two sort of rival local papers and one of them printed kind of an assessment of players on the team that I disagreed with. So I wrote disagreeing piece for the other, for the rival paper. Mm-hmm. I was like, here's what the other paper is totally wrong. And I sent it to the guy and was like, I'd like to be your unpaid intern. Cause this was the nineties and we cared less about that sort of inappropriate behavior. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and he wrote me back and he said, I've never taken on an intern before, but let's try it out. So when I was in high school, I started writing for the Tampa Bay lightning fan magazine. Again, this is like back in the day when you had print, it was like a free thing that got distributed yeah. at the But at 17, I was like interviewing the hockey players and that um, turned into uh, a paid job where I would write for a smaller athletic publication and I interviewed tons of different players and I went off to college and I was the volunteer manager of my college hockey team. It was a club team. They didn't have, I went to Penn for a year. It's the only Ivy that doesn't actually have a D1 college hockey team. Poor planning on my part. Uh, But I managed the, I managed the club team and it sort of became this thing. And then subsequently I left, I moved away from the U S for a little while and my life kind of took a very different tactic and it didn't circle back to hockey until I had kids. But for a long time there, it was what I aspired to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. I, I have to tell you, I we have never talked about this. I went to graduate school for sports management. Wait, what? Uh-huh, yeah, I went to Xavier University. Um, so I went to a Jesuit college, John okay. University. And before that, I went to 12 years of parochial school. And then I went to a Jesuit college for, uh, for graduate school. So if like the whole deity up in the you know up in the sky exists i feel like i'm a shoo-in just from like the amount of money i've given yes you've been to a lot of yeah but but i so i went it was xavier and the some of the courses i took were sports marketing that i feel like i'm using even though i'm not marketing sports things but like that stuff i'm using but the cool i feel like the coolest class i took which i'm using nothing for but it, it was it was the general manager and the CFO, the former CFO of the Cincinnati Reds, they taught a course on kind of like salary management and basically the way that a front office looks at the finances. But no, this, the the course was like, I learned a lot about um, how there are specific managers in sports and the, uh, the baseball or this not managers, owners and the owner that they worked for Marge Schott, who is a like famously terrible baseball owner she basically instructed them to lose just enough money every single year so that the team itself was a tax write-off it is like colored everything i see about any deal that goes through about any team and they're like i'm a fan of the cleveland guardians our baseball team here who is famously cheap and i'm like i know what they're doing they're they're using yes Like at the end of the day, these are like super rich people who are not like they're, yes. This is the thing about like dreaming about doing a thing. And then when you start to actually, I'm a big fan of actually internships because I'm like, it's not as sexy. And all of these industries that seem sexy and romantic, like sports and sports, Mm -hmm. you know, professional sports and entertainment, which I sort of work adjacent to in my day job now, the reality of it is not what you think it is. And it's like so much more corporate shenanigans than you anticipate. And a lot of times I'm like, you guys need to know that before you, before you go into it. So if you're thinking of a sports management degree, kids go intern. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm doing, okay. I'm doing a thing that I found myself doing with all. So these first people who are listening to the podcast will 
probably if you've listened to my previous podcast that I used to go host, I'm guessing people are picking up that the first like eight to 10 interviews that I'm doing are just friends of mine. And so I'm doing a bad job of staying on task, but I'm going to get back at it. So back on task. we're back. We're being real serious. We're listen, Keely and I are doing this at like nine o'clock at night. So we're, it's, this is also partially my fault because I am notoriously unruly in interviews. And I'm like, no, you're fine. Honestly, I'm used to interviewing you and Kim together. So like one at a time I should be able to handle. What is it about hockey removing the fact that your son loves it and that you, it was something you did with your father. Like, what is it about the game itself that kind of fascinates you and, and keeps you interested? And like, what are some of the things that just like keep you wanting to watch? Ooh, that's a good question. I think one of the things that impresses me most about hockey is you are an expert in two sports in order to do it, right? Especially today, um, you have to be a superb skater, ice skater. Like you have to be excellent. Gone are the days of the like slow and, you know, just big and lumbering. Like it's not, a, the, the sport has kind of moved past the goon era. So you're an expert figure skater and they are, they all take lessons and they work with figure skating coaches oftentimes. And you're also an expert hockey player. And I find that fascinating in a way that's different from other types of sports, right? Is you're merging these two, really two separate skills and becoming an expert at both of them. And it's fast and it's exciting. And I, it's more fun to go than it is to watch it on TV. But again, you know, in a a hockey rink, you're very close to the rink. You can be based Mm -hmm. on where you're, you're sitting and you can hear the swish of the ice and you can feel the cold and you can hear the guys yelling at one another on the ice, depending on where you're sitting. And it feels very, you you feel a part of the game in a way that's different from when I go, you know, to a football game and there's, you know, the, the whole sidelines filled with like 77 people. And I'm like, what do you all do for this team? I don't even know. Like only 10 <laughs> of you are out there at any one given time. Why are there so many? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like it feels more approachable and accessible to me than I, than other sports ever have. So that's part of why I love it. We'll be back with more Passions and Prologues after this break. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. And now, back to Passions and Prologues. It was like four or five years ago at this time, but my my mom, my parents are retired and my mom found a way, oh, found a way, she paid for it. She got an Airbnb and tickets for her and my father to go to spring training for baseball. And you talking about approachability reminded me of that because we, I went there and like met him there and kind of the same thing, like baseball, maybe to like a slightly lesser extent, but similarly, like when you go to a professional baseball game, you're still, you're really close. Like you said, you can kind of, depending on where you're sitting, you can hear the people talking back and forth. The bat, exactly. You can hear the kind of ambiance, the the ambient things that, because you're absolutely right. Like even someone who knows very little about hockey, I have been to live hockey games and you're like, oh, wow, there's 
Yeah, you can just be entertained. You, the yeah. guys are crashing into the glass literally right in front of you sometimes. Yeah, and I do think like, and that was even like I said, normal professional baseball games. Absolutely, you can do that because like, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have close enough seats for like in between innings. If got if you just like say like, hey, Mike Trout, like he'll turn and be like, hey, what's going on? Like they'll talk to you, and even more so at spring training because that's what they're there for is just to kind of like get a little bit of work in and then talk with the fans. But I absolutely know what you mean, and like to me, I have found myself as a person who is trying to become a professional writer. I have found myself writing in a way that makes me think about baseball and this is how is a professional transition here this is the how good i'm at podcasting so very smooth thank you how would you say your love of hockey and your passion for hockey affects the way that you write as a writer yourself that's a really tough question I thought you were going to say a really good question. I was going to say, is it or was it just me trying to stick to some sort of topic? Uh, no, it is a good question. Tough questions are good questions, right? Like mm-hmm. you you know this, right? If you can ask things that we've never been asked before, it's a, it's a fun and interesting like The idea. whole premise of this podcast, honestly. Love it. So I think it affects me in a couple of different ways, right? Like the surface level answer is I actually write a lot about athletes. I haven't written a hockey boy yet, although my son's hockey team discovered last year that I am an author and they have been begging for a hockey book now. So there's probably a hockey kid in my future. I'm thinking maybe graphic novel, hockey book. But certainly I write a lot about athletes. I am, and I'm, my ex-husband is an athlete and I find the mentality of athletes really fascinating because it's very, it's very different from how my mind works and my body works. And so I, I am, and I'm in the midst of raising a, you know, high performance athlete and it's consuming. And so I write a lot about the mental journey of athletes. And I think a lot about what is the billion dollar youth sports industry really doing for kids in this country. And, you know, we put incredible pressure on kids, their lives become consumed with this. And then many of them are ultimately, you know, there's only so many college scholarships, college spots, Mm -hmm. professional spots, the vast majority of kids who play don't end up in those positions. And if your whole identity is built around that, it can be crushing for a kid when they finally age out or they're not, they don't make it to the next level. So it this, this fascinating, this fascination that started with hockey and how exciting it was to watch became an interest in what kind of person plays and what kind of person not just plays, but makes it to the pro. And who do you have to be in order to do that? I do think there are certain attributes of pros that are common across all of them, regardless of what sport you're talking about. And that grips me. And I write a lot about that. I'm interested in it. And then the other thing is that sort of sense of being adjacent to an experience and it being tactile enough that I can, I can describe it. I can tell you what the sound of the ice is. I can tell you, you know, all of those things. And I I think that inspires me as a writer to, um, I like descriptive writing a lot. I try not to do too much of it because I write YA and it's not, um, it's not always the most plot gripping, but it does sort of challenge that part of my brain that wants to be descriptive and wants to find just the right word to describe how it sounded when the puck hit the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you're always looking for that. Is it a thwack or is it a thwomp? Like like those. Exactly. Yeah. And can I make the reader feel like they were there? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like when I talk about hockey, I'm like, can I make the reader, can I make my listener love this as much as I do and feel like I felt when I watched that exciting play? It's a, it's a challenge for me. And I like that. And I do think that's one of the things where 
you will see, like you said, you, you know, you, you write kind of about athletes and like you're in, you're in Kim's most recent book was there were athletes in that. And like, and trying to help people who you know are going to be readers who may not have an interest like it's very likely at this point for the two of you that like you have readers who know you from your writing, but they might not be a fan of a sport or anything. And you still have to find a way to kind of like hook them into that thing. And so I imagine like being in as many games as you're at, like all these different tournaments, all these different experiences ha- has to kind of be informative as a writer. Yes. I mean, definitely you meet a lot of interesting and different people and you're it, hockey is historically a predominantly white sport. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there have been black players since the inception of hockey, of course, but pl- plenty of discrimination, like you were saying, football is problematic. Hockey is also super problematic, but I, I think it is opening up incrementally these days. And there are more prominent players who are people of color who are talking about their experiences. In fact, speaking of books, I'm going to promote something that I just saw come out today. Yeah. Akeem Aliu, who is a black hockey player from Canada, wrote a memoir called Dreamer. It's a graphic novel memoir. Mm-hmm. And it just went on pre-sale today. And I looked at it and I was like, pre-ordered, have never pre-ordered anything so fast in my life. He's fascinating. <laughs> and he's written extensively about the discrimination that he has suffered um, in the league. And so it's one of those things where I love the sport. It's also super problematic. We're Jewish. My son has been the subject of anti-Semitic statements as a Jewish hockey player mm-hmm. and I love this sport and my kids love this sport. And also it doesn't always love us back. And so part of it is like, how can I be a better citizen in this world of hockey? And how can my kids be better citizens in this world Mm -hmm. of hockey and make it, it aspires to be for everyone, but it's not going to get that way unless the people who are part of it are willing to move it forward and make changes. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so important. And like in really any sport, because it's, it, it can be so easy to, like romanticize the wonderful parts. Like again, like I, I mean, I'm a at my core, I'm a like baseball like dirtbag. It would be one of the like, like one of our favorite family genres of movies is sports underdog. Like we have watched every sports underdog movie that has yeah. ever made, and they're heartwarming and they're lovely, and I love those stories. And they are also part of the sports, but they're also not representative of all of the highs and lows. Right. And we tend to gloss over the ugly and uncomfortable parts. And that's part of why Kim and I write what we write mm-hmm. is those parts are there too. And we have to be able to talk about them and we have to enable kids to talk about them. Yeah. I, 100%. And I think that's so important is like, I, I think you have that perfect crossroads of being a person who writes professionally and someone who is passionate about a sport and being able to kind of both shine a light on the wonderful parts of team sports or individual sports or anything. Like I I know for myself, I am the motivated, dedicated person that I am in part because of the athletics that I did growing up. But I also can look at, like I said, like I love baseball. Baseball is a on balance, not always, it's sometimes a, a gross sport with gross human beings. And that's true for every single sport. And so like being able to write thoughtfully about both the positive and negatives, I do think is really important. It's something that people should know about. I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can love things as they are and also aspire for them to be better. And in mm-hmm. order to do that, you have to 
talk about it. You have yeah. to acknowledge it, right? You can't. And the other thing that comes with the culture of silence that too many sports have embraced for too long is that really bad things happen in sports settings in locker rooms and kids are not comfortable mm-hmm. talking about them or there are um, retaliatory consequences. And so the culture of silence is also unhealthy and bad. I mean, you look at... Um, the truths that are coming out about abuse in the gymnastics world and in other worlds. And you're like, the culture of silence perpetuated that because kids couldn't speak up. So it's actually not just important to confront it, but also to create an environment where kids can confront it because then they're going to tell what's happening. Yeah. Speaking of, watch this, here I go. I'm going to do another professional transition. (laughs) Speaking of kids talking about what's happening, are you allowed to talk about anything that you're working on currently, either by yourself or with your co-author or anything? I know that there's like rules about this stuff. Um, so I can talk about one thing that I'm working on because it is public. I am writing a, this is my first solo project. It is a Captain Marvel novel. I saw this. I'm so excited. Please say, I honestly, this is what I was hoping you were going to talk about. Please say everything about it. You're allowed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really fun. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk. I can't remember whether the plot is public yet, but the, the title certainly is. It's called Shadow Code. And Captain Marvel is back on Earth for a little sojourn. And she is fighting a fascinating villain. I really love this villain. I'll give you a sneak peek. She's more of a psychological villain than she is like a punching villain, uh-huh. which I think like if you have a character like Captain Marvel, like she's in basically invincible. Basically invincible, yeah. <laughs> so you're, when you're coming up, the fun thing about working with this is they, they accepted proposals for me. So I got to concept this myself and you're like, well, who challenges Captain Marvel, yeah. right? Like, so, so, um, the villain that I picked sort of is like, a fun psychological one and it's been really good to write okay so i i have been super fortunate over the years i've gotten to interview a few people who have done this sort of thing where they've gotten to write stories about existing ip like very big existing ip like this like what is the process like do you have to like check things with them back and forth or like, I guess you can be kind of like vague in general about this, but like, what is the, pro- like, do you feel like you have a freedom on this or is it, you have to be super connected to their like existing storylines? Yeah, I think I can talk about this. So you have, you have both, right? You have, I had lots of freedom. I had total autonomy to pitch them. They proposed an idea, but they also said, if you want to write about something else, pitch it to us. So I had total autonomy to pitch things. I picked out my own villain and I'm getting to make up new characters who are inhabiting this world. So you have a lot of freedom to concept things, Mm -hmm. but you also have to adhere to the laws of the universe that you're working in. And there are a lot of laws. So two things can happen, right? Either you brush up against something that's too close to something else they're working on. So they'll mm-hmm. be like, mm, not that. Yeah. Oh, you want to, mm, not that. But you have to also adhere to the laws of the universe that you're working in. So sometimes you will pitch things and they'll be like, that's not how powers work. Mm-hmm. Or that's not how technology works. And that was, that was something I might deals with technology too. And they would be like, that's not how technology in this world works. And sometimes you're like, but you have superheroes. Can't you yeah. make anything that you want to make up? And they're like, no, you cannot. 
So it's a it's a weird combination of total freedom and also um, lots of rules. But you're also working with really smart and creative people. Like the Marvel team is incredibly creative. And I've gotten to have, like when you're stuck, you're like, can we talk? And you have a meeting and they will pitch out all these amazing ideas to sort of help you get over what you thought you were stuck with. And it's also a really creatively expansive experience. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what that's like because I, um, people who are listening, I feel like on balance are going to know that I used to work at Overdrive promoting Libby. One of the jobs I got to do is I worked with Marvel and we built out this, like there were nine different kind of from scratch images that they made for us that they put on Instagram and stuff that was like their characters promoting libraries at like ebooks. It was a wild thing that we were able to do. But even for those like single standalone panels, they would be like, well, Captain America can't be holding a tablet or like these like little things. And that was just for like a single panel. So I can't imagine like telling a story, how many of those little idiosyncrasies they're like no 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 you can't do that that's yeah it's a lot like you turn in there's a there's a really extensive outlining process and you turn and draft the outlines and you get it back and there's the like whole margin is filled up with comic (laughs) books of like no 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 not that sorry no not that but it's it's been really fun and it is like it's super exciting to work in this universe and to get to be associated with this Mm -hmm. Cool. I, I love Captain Marvel. She, I told my agent, I, so there's two IP projects that I have ever wanted to do. And one of them was Captain Marvel. So when the opportunity arose, I was like, I love her so much. I identify with her so much. So. Well, I mean, I saw your, I saw your picture that you, you posted the drag, the drag. I don't like, like the cosplay. It was so good. I was, Go I see my Instagram. I have a little. My dear friend Rachel Allen just released a Harley Quinn novel. So DC versus Marvel. Obviously, Marvel is better. I will tell you, we took we did an event together to promote her book, mm-hmm. and we took a poll. And I just would like everyone to know, Marvel far and away beat DC. Mm-hmm. FYI, but we cosplayed the characters we were writing. So she was Harley Quinn, and I was Captain Marvel, and it was amazing and fun. And I'm totally doing it again. Oh, that's so cool. Um, do you find it challenging to write in like this, like the graphic novel format as opposed to long form, kind of like, you know, several hundred pages type of a format? So my Captain novel, no- Captain Marvel novel is actually a prose novel. So I'm not oh, okay. reading in graphic, although I really want to. And in mm-hmm. some ways I'm like, I can't, it would be nice if it was because I would be learning from the very best of the business. No, but this is actually a prose novel. It's time to come out right before the Marvel's movie comes out. So there's Captain Marvel Marvels. Mm-hmm. It's not related to the to the um, movie. It's a standalone adventure in the comics universe. There's, this is the other thing is like there's several, there's multiple universes. Right. These characters exist in. And I'm not writing in the MCU. I am writing in the comics universe. So yeah. there's time to go together, but it's a standalone prose novel. So I'm not stretching that muscle yet. But I really want to. I really need somebody to like, I don't know, do a graphic novel, maybe critique partner cinch with me. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Um, all right. I I've been ending, I'm putting everyone on the spot, which I need to do a better job of this. But I'm I'm ending with having every author that comes on give like a recommendation. It could be a show, it could be a movie, it could be books. So far everyone has done books because they're authors. I'm not pressuring to do that. It could be a food. What is something that you're loving just like lately that you want people to also enjoy? It could be books if you want to do that. It doesn't have to be. 
Well, I'll break the molds because I'm a contrarian like that. And I'm actually going to recommend a whole genre of shows. Yes. (laughs) I have gotten in the kick of like con artist type shows lately. So, and I don't know why, but I'm really fascinated by it. So I'm going to highly recommend Inventing Anna on Netflix, which is about a con. And that's a really fun one because uh, the people get hurt are like big banks and corporations you're like not sad for her victims because they're they're it's it's not terrible so inventing on it was great dope sick is amazing dope sick on hulu not fun and not easy but an extraordinary exploration of the opioid crisis um Mm -hmm. and told in fiction format i mean i assume you're watching hockey right now at time of recording I am also, I'm, this is, I could do another recommendation. Um, actually, my recommendation is go see minor league sports. That's a real other recommendation, right? So I think sometimes in this country, we get fixated on highest level professional sports. And for most people, it's unaffordable, right? Like tickets are over $100 in most cases. It's, you know, by the time you go and you park and you pay for a beer or you pay for a snack, it's it's really expensive. But in many cities, there are really great and really fun minor league teams that are accessible to you. Yes. Go and see them. It's much more family fun, family entertainment, and go see that. And um, that's my rec- real recommendation is like yeah. partake of minor league sports because sometimes they're a little, um, I mean, it's certainly not the highest level that's being played, but it's still a really good time. And also you should root for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final that are happening now all right listen i will that that's fine too the minor league thing is the real recommendation i have no dog, I have no dog in the hockey fight but well now you can you can adopt the tampa bay lightning as your, as your okay, here's the problem i adore you but another guest early out on the show is mallory omira who i love and she is a capitals fan and so am i supposed to like pick between author because i feel like i've met her like right around the time i met you and so i'm in a real pickle here um, well, except her team's not going to advance behind the, beyond the first round and ours probably will. So okay. I feel like okay. you can reassess next year, but for this year, I'm a, we're I'm better off going with the Lightning. I mean, they're the two time back-to-back Stanley Cup champions going for, uh, going for the, the third. You can't read three Pete is actually a trademark term. So they're not going for that. They're going for the third. Keely, I love you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for this doing this. This is really fun. Thanks for letting me prattle on about hockey. Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.